1: This is Arscast Extra.
0: Hello and welcome to another Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunnerblog slash The Athletic.
1: James, goodly morning and congratulations to you on your new gig. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's it's exciting. I'm really happy to be doing it and happy to be working alongside some, some really great people, so yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Teammates, Amy Lawrence, David Ornstein, that's not bad. It's not bad, is it? It's... Uh... It's not bad. I saw someone compare it to Arsenal's front three of Aubameyang Lacazette and Pepe. I was very flattered by that. Um, I wouldn't dare to hazard a guess at which one I might be. But yeah. no, I, I really am looking forward to working with those guys and, and learning a lot from them. And I think it's a, a really interesting prospect and a, a really interesting model. And I, I hope it works because, you know, I think it will introduce some really quality writing without, you know, clickbait and advertising and all those things. Mm. Um, So it'd be great if it could sort of replicate to an extent what's already happened with Blog and focus on the the content first. So that would be really nice.
0: Yeah, that's true. And, you know, just for the record, I should uh, point out that I turned the athletic down. Um, Not... Uh, out of any other reason than we'd already built something here with our Patreon and our subscribers. And the idea that we could then take that away and, and move it somewhere else just didn't fit um, with what we're doing here. And obviously, we're very grateful to all the people who who support what we do on Patreon, and, and we're happy to, to have you along. Uh, but, it, you know, it's interesting to have these different models these days, isn't it, where, you know, you're you're, you're paying for... For good stuff and for quality stuff, and people are willing to do that. They're willing to pay when the content is good. So I mm-hmm. think it's going to be very interesting to see um, how, how it goes. Because you know, not just you guys, but some very, very good riders as well, uh, who are covering stuff that isn't just Arsenal. Um, Michael yeah. Cox, for example, taking his tactical stuff over there will be will be very interesting to to work on a platform where I guess more than um, anywhere else apart from his own website, I guess. You've sort of got a blank slate to do, to do the stuff mm. you really want to do.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you're not constrained by, you know, uh, needing to get a certain number of hits or, you know, having to meet a certain word count. Uh, and that was a big part of the chat's I had with the Athletic was having that freedom to sort of just write stuff that I, I want to write rather than stuff that I'm sort of asked to write. Yeah, and or stuff um, that you kind of have to write within the
0: within the framework of I don't want to say mainstream media or whatever, cycle. but yeah, the news yeah. cycle and everything else. It's sort of you know one game to the next game to the next game to the press conference. You know, um, yeah, it, it, it's it's quite I guess refreshing um, from that point of view. Mm.
1: Yeah, and if you are thinking of signing up, my advice to any listeners: I would do it in August. There's a fifty percent off deal, I think, that lasts for for the whole month, and then after that, it goes up a bit. I think at fifty percent, it's like two pound fifty a month. And yeah. you know, I understand, you know, more and more models are sort of re- requiring some sort of payment. But really, when you think about what that is in your life, you know, it's like we say was well, about Askblog. I mean, it's you know, it's a coffee, it's a pint, it's a couple of coffees. It's it's really not a hugely consequential amount of money and I think you know, as as we've shown on the Patreon here, I think it does sort of prove worthwhile in terms of what it can do and what it can produce.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, best of luck with it, obviously. Uh, and you know, part of the uh, part of the the intense negotiations you went through with the Athletic were to ensure that we we keep doing the arse cast Extra, and as always, yeah. it'll be free uh, to everybody until the end of time, or until you know we we no longer do it or can do it, or the world becomes just too uh, dry and inhospitable to human life life. So that will yes.
1: continue. <laughs> uh, I, I I was very, very keen to keep doing that. In fact, it was a sort of, you know, something I wouldn't really negotiate on. So yeah, I'm really glad to be here, especially because I believe I'm right in saying it's our... 300th episode. Isn't yes,
0: it? it is. Happy birthday. It's our 300th uh Arscast extra. So, if you've been here since day 1 and you've been with us through uh, through the the beginning, through Falcons, through Magpies, through Jam uh and Butter <laughs> and of course a little bit of Arsenal along the way, thank you very much indeed uh to all mm. of you for listening. It makes it um it makes it all worthwhile, which sounds really cheesy, but you know, it was amazing when I was out in the states to meet so many people who are like, oh, we just love the podcast. It's a connection to the club for us over here." But they just kind of, they just really wanted to say thank you for for just doing the podcast and for for being entertaining. And we love doing it. That's the other thing about it is that you know, there's some things that you do in your life, even if you're privileged enough to do what we do and to write about Arsenal, there are certain things you can do that that do maybe feel like a bit of of a chore at times but not this and it's been a pleasure uh you know uh, doing 300 episodes with you um so there you go i'm feeling quite nice and sentimental this morning
1: yeah no it is it's is a, a lovely landmark to reach i mean it's a lot of time in our lives isn't it it's it is. probably, it's, de- it's days of our lives that we've done this for but yeah uh no regrets. Yeah, I've uh, I've enjoyed it all, and lots more to come. Yeah. Hopefully, see you see all at six hundred.
0: Yes, exactly. Well, look, there's a brand new season almost upon us, James. Preseason is now. Well, I guess preseason is not over, but the preseason fixtures are over. Mm. The transfer deadline is on Thursday. Um, we've got our first game of the season next Sunday, and it feels like it's come around really, really quickly, doesn't it? You know, the summer has flown by and here we go again. We're going headfirst into a brand new season. How are you feeling about where we are and how we're prepared? Do you want to, I mean, we can talk about that or do you want to talk? Did you see the Barcelona game?
1: I saw extended highlights. Did you see the full game? I did. I sat down, I watched
0: the full game uh, last night on a stream with uh, Portuguese commentary So I learned Mm. some words of Portuguese that I've since forgotten, but there you go. Uh, What did you make of it? What did I make of it? I thought it was sort of a microcosm of our preseason in that there were some really encouraging things. There were things I liked. And then I think without anything being too terrible, the stuff that we already know about what needs to happen was sort of highlighted and hammered home to us. So I, I think that's been true of most of this preseason. There've been some really encouraging things that have happened on the pitch, particularly with young players. There've been some some really nice moments as well. There've been uh, times where we've played nice, attractive football. We scored a great goal, mm. but of course, defensively, we we have our we have our problems and we have our issues that that need to be to be sorted out. So, you know, in the first half. I thought there were. I thought Joe Willock again. I know people are going to, you know, start saying uh, Joe Willock is uh, somebody I keep talking about. But you know, during this off season and 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 looking at him, you know, up close and personal in the US and on TV when we've played our other games, to me has been the most impressive young player uh, of. The preseason, He's been the most encouraging part of it. Uh, I yeah. thought Maitland-Niles was good in the first half, but we have um, worries about him. Second half, not so great. Reese Nelson, not bad in the first half. We might talk a little bit about him uh, as well a bit later on. Uh, the goal, Ozil to Aubameyang, fantastic. What a uh, goal. What a goal and what a finish. I mean, a great pass mm. Uh, mm. from Ozil. I mean, that is that is kind of where he can make an impact, isn't it? When we're playing with a back four and he's got a little bit of room to move around the pitch and he can see the pass uh, to Aubameyang and he's got in Aubameyang a player who can make something of that pass. So...
1: Yeah. I I thought it was... Everything about that goal was great. The pass into Aubameyang, the way he took it and turned and the finish was sensational. I mean speaking of preseason and positives i think he has been one of the big ones yep. he's looked incredibly sharp basically since he came back um he obviously keeps himself in good shape and he looks like he's ready to hit the ground running which could be really important for us
0: yeah and if we are at this moment in time uh encouraged and enthused by anything it is it is you know the attacking side of our game because we've got Obiang, yeah. we've got Lacazette, we've got Mesudozil probably back in a position which suits him much more than um, than playing with a you know a three at the back, which which just doesn't really suit him. I think there is still some question marks over him, but you know if we can get him anywhere close to his best, it could be. Uh, it could be an important part of how we play next season. We've signed Nicola Pepe, which of course is hugely exciting. Let's talk about that for a moment. I mean, what what's your thoughts on on that signing and what it means and uh, and how excited were you by
1: by that deal going through? Well, it, I think it's a hell of a statement for Arsenal to go out and spend that money on a, any player, no matter how the deal is structured. Uh, I think it's a real coup for the club to land one of, you know, the prime European talents who impressed last season, I think would have been on everybody's radar. I didn't really believe until it was actually happening that we could land Pepe. I just thought, Mm. you know, he'd want to play Champions League football or a a bigger club would become involved or a richer club maybe. So I think it's a fantastic, fantastic signing. Um, I think if I had one word of caution, it would be, I I think the price tag is so high that maybe there's an expectation that he is going to be f- a phenomenon and I think I'm a little bit cautious about that. I think he'll be yeah. good, but I but you know, I and I think that's what a good player costs, but I think because of the way we spend money, I think some people are expecting Lionel Messi and I don't think that's what we've got you know
0: No that's true and I think we have to remember he is still just 24 uh you know off the back of one brilliant season for Lille uh mm. you know it can take players time to uh, adjust and adapt to the Premier League and I do think as well he is coming into a team which has some fairly uh fundamental flaws in it which can have yeah. an impact on on the way attacking players play because you know, I I know we've beaten this drum countless times, but in order to to be really effective from an attacking point of view, you have to have some kind of platform, a defensive platform on which to base your game. And Mm. right now I feel like we don't. And that's a problem. So, you know, yeah, we can temper that, but Yeah, look... But nevertheless,
1: it's great news. There's no doubt about that.
0: Of course. And it is a a signing that kind of uh, sends a statement and the fact that he chose us over other options, you know, gives you some faith that there's a direction for the club and a plan and a project that he is aware of and can get behind, you know? Mm. I, I don't think... You know, there's money, of course, as a lure of the Premier League and everything else. But you know, he wanted to come and play with Aubameyang and play with Lacazette and play with Ozil. You know, he mentioned those guys specifically. So, um, from our point of view, the fact that we're still attractive enough to get that player in um, is is fantastic. Um, so, where 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 are we going from here? Should we talk about the the flaws? I mean. The other part of the Barcelona game, of course, was the Maitland-Niles own goal. Yeah. What, what? What's what's your your take on him at right back? Because I have some I have some worries. You know, I think he's I think he's a good player. I think he in the first half against Barcelona showed some real composure in our box. Um, he was quick. He used the ball well. He defended well, but. As we've seen, for example, in the Europa League final, I'm not sure he quite gets it from a fully defensive point of view. And we are, of course, waiting for Hector Bellerin to come back in. Um, And you can understand why we're not going to go out and spend £20 million on a right back when we've got a player in Hector Bellerin who hopefully will be first choice for, for years to come. But do you think we're taking just a little bit of a risk by continuing with Maitland-Niles at right back or, or should he be good enough? We
1: are, we are taking a slight risk but I think it's a risk I'm okay with taking. I mean, when I watch Maitland-Niles I do see someone with a lot of gifts. You know, he's got good technique, he's incredibly athletic um, and I think that on paper he has a lot of the attributes to play as a fullback. I understand that it's not a position he's particularly experienced in but when I watch him at fullback, I, I very rarely think... Oh, it would be better if this guy was in central midfield. Uh, you know, in some ways, mm-hmm. those lapses of concentration at fullback, as costly as they can be, I think they can also be costly in the middle of the park. And I think you almost get more opportunities to make them at times. But
0: didn't he say last year that he wanted to be a winger? That was his. That was his t- uh, quote from last season. He wants to be a winger. So if you make that mm-hmm. mistake in the opposition third, maybe it doesn't hurt you quite as much. True. You know, uh, and, and Wenger was the one who talked him up as a defensive midfielder. I don't see a defensive midfielder in there really either. So no. I, I just worry or wonder about where exactly um, he is going to end up or if we're going to end up in a, a situation not dissimilar to that of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain where he hasn't been able to properly nail down a position which really suits him.
1: That might be the case but I mean the Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain story as, as much as we might reflect on it with elements of regret does end with us doubling our money on a on a player mm. and you know in the case of Enzo Maitland-Niles I think he is a useful squad member for us to have I think he can provide cover at right back and if it doesn't work out for him and somewhere down the line we sell a player who by that point has collected a lot of Premier League experience a lot of Europa League experience is English so we'll have a a decent transfer value attached to him. I can kind of live with that. You know, I just think with the constraints we're under and having spent the money we've spent already this summer, you know, we're looking at centre-back, we're looking at left-back. I'm not sure I can see us, you know, doing a right-back as well. No, I don't think we will either.
0: I don't think we will. But I I also think it's a little bit of a gamble, a little bit of a risk considering Mm. some of the some of the issues that Maitland-Niles has defensively. And I think for the most part, he, he plays quite well there. But I just,
1: I just worry about his natural defensive instincts. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a trade-off for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a bit like Kolasinac, to be honest, on the other side, where going forward, he gives you quite a lot. And defensively, there are issues there. I just wonder sort of who can you get for, as your backup right back? Where there isn't some degree mm. of compromise, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair enough.
0: That's fair enough. Um, other things that sort of struck me throughout the the mm. preseason, um, players who who haven't really progressed in the way that we would like. And I'm thinking of uh, Mkhitaryan here. I'm thinking of Mustafi, obviously. I'm thinking of Granit Xhaka. That there still appears to be a heavy reliance on these guys. Maybe there are ways around it, but are you are you a little bit concerned that we're still we're still looking at these guys as as regular first team starters?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know if that's entirely true. I mean, it looks to me like, for example, in the case of Mustafi, it feels like Chambers and Sokratis yeah are going to be the central defensive partnership there, and you know Mkhitaryan once Pepe comes into the side I think is going to be vulnerable with Alex be coming back from AFCON as well Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the real shame is that we've not been able to move these players on yet you know we've not been able to sell them and it seems like Arsenal are calling in the big guns to try and do those deals I mean obviously there was talk about uh, Jorge Mendes uh, trying to flog Mustafi to Monaco or pretty much anywhere else that will take him Yeah. Uh, I'll be really interested to see what happens after the British transfer deadline, the English transfer deadline, rather, uh, to see if there's more movement in terms of getting people out of the club and what we might be able to do, because, you know, I'm not going to describe those players as dead wood, but they clearly could be surplus to requirements and are quite expensive to have on the books.
0: Yeah, that's a fair point. That is a fair point. But obviously we, as a football club, have got to put in place... Um, our own structures which would allow those players to be sold if there were suitors out there for them. So, you know, if you talk about Mkhitaryan, for example, um, you're right, we've got Pepe, we've got uh, Aubameyang who can play in the wide positions, we've got a young player in Reese Nelson coming through, Alex Iwobi is somebody who can do a job Mm -hmm. in there as well, there's Mesut Ozil uh, who may well be ahead of him, so you could see how there might be room for for Mkhitaryan to depart if somebody came in for him. The the issue I think we have with someone like Mustafi, it seems obvious that Arsenal would like to move him on. But mm-hmm. at this moment in time, we have only got three senior central defenders available to us. Sokratis, mm. Callum Chambers, and Mustafi is the other one because Rob Holding is still maybe six weeks away from a first-team return, and even then you've got to ease him back into into action. You can't just put Holding in and expect him to play two or three games a week. You can't do that. It, it's too dangerous. Koscielny, the Koscielny situation, that's stagnating, whatever you want to call that. That's, a, that's an awful situation for us to be dealing with at this moment in time because yeah. um, I think... If you just lay everything else to one side, we need Lauren Koscielny. Right now, based on the squad we have, we need Koscielny. But we don't have him, and we're probably not going to have him for next season because his position has been made untenable. So there is, this week, a lot to sort out. Whether that's actually finding some measure of peace or compromise with Koscielny, which I wouldn't rule out completely, just because of the difficulty we appear to be having in finding a central defender and also bringing somebody in anyway, because we do need to bring somebody else in, even if Koscielny comes back or even if Koscielny goes, we need to bring in somebody who might facilitate the the departure of Mustafi if we can find someone to buy him.
1: Well, the tricky thing with Kashani is, you know, that really is one that could run until the end of the month, but... Mm. Arsenal need to make a decision on if they can get someone in before that uh, I, I mean we are going to be working right to the wire you imagine because there's the Kieran Tierney potential deal at left back
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and, and the centre half situation. How do you feel about the Kieran Tierney one? I just wonder with all these stories of these injury problems that he's still suffering with I wonder if Arsenal's interest might have cooled a bit there I Yeah, I guess it depends on
0: how serious this injury he has is. I mean, if you see him as your left back for the next five years, an eight-week injury shouldn't change Mm. your desire to do the deal. Um, It might change your ability to move on one of the left backs, though. So if you sign Tierney, you're not going to be able to move Kolasinac or Monreal until January, at which point, you know, the the transfer window isn't at its... um, most fluid. Yeah, either. exactly. Or you might not get as much as you might like for him. Um, I don't know. I mean, look, if he, he's been out since April. They're talking about another eight weeks. And then realistically, you're looking at another, what, two months? On top of that, before a player gets really fully match fit and match sharp and everything else. So you're looking at Tierney basically not being available uh, at his best until somewhere around Christmas. So maybe you wait until January to do that deal. You put that to one side and you wait and you keep the money that you were going to use and you do it in January if he's fit and available. But you do it on the 1st of January, you know what I mean?
1: I I do wonder if that might well happen with Tierney. Mm. Um, Because also as well by then, you know, we might have sold some players at the end of August. We might know a little bit more what our budget looks like. And Celtic, the noise is coming out of Celtic. I mean, for a player, Neil Lennon says he doesn't want to sell. He's talking about selling him an awful lot. Uh, and it almost feels like as Arsenal's, uh, the intensity of Arsenal's interest wanes, it uh, feels like we hear more from Celtic. Uh, and I do just wonder if there's a sense of like, oh, is this our opportunity to really cash in and make the big money on Tierney uh, in this last week of the window? So I think we we might well wait and that might not be the worst thing because we get to see... If he gets over this injury, if there are any resulting problems, from what I understand, it can be quite a, a complicated one that he's got with his hip, and it can mm. have quite a difficult recovery path. So, you know, we've got a long-standing interest in the player. Uh, I don't see the harm in taking a slightly longer-term view and and making do with Snatch and, and Monreal for the first half of the season.
0: Yeah, it is. it, it, it does feel like making do, though, because when you do pursue yeah. a player as publicly as we have, it... It speaks to your faith in
1: the options that you currently have. So, um, yeah. Well, well, there is an alternative. I mean, let's not forget we spent a long time talking about the prospect of Wilfred Zaha and ended up with Nicolas Pepe. So it's very clear in that scenario there was more than one option. Mm. Maybe there is another option in the left back area that we don't know about that hasn't been reported in the press. Yeah, uh, and maybe the club will decide to. To make a move on that one, it just depends, I suppose, how attached they are to the idea of, of Tierney specifically.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it should be possible to find a left back with similar qualities out there somewhere across Europe. Maybe not even for, for quite as much money. So, yeah, let's see what let's see what they um, let's see what they do. How worried are you on a scale of one to ten about the centre of our defence going into this new season?
1: I'm pretty worried. <laughs> I'm pretty worried. I mean, look, I, I can't lie. There's part of me that is can make peace with a certain degree of it at the moment because I'm so enthused about our prospects going forward. You know, you add Pepe to that cocktail with Aubameyang, Lacazette, Ozil, uh, young players like Nelson and Ketia, Willock. I genuinely do find that really exciting as a prospect and I'm looking forward to watching that and you know it almost feels like reconnecting with an Arsenal that you know I've always loved the one that's built on attacking threat and maybe not so much on defensive security I reserve the right to completely flip my opinions on that as soon as we concede (laughs) a calamitous goal do you know what I mean like I, I think like in theory it's all well and good but as soon as we start shipping goals and dropping points people will be absolutely up in arms about why we haven't addressed the centre of our defence they have to do something right because you can't go
0: into a new season off the back of a season in which you conceded 51 goals in the Premier League and, um, and all the rest with a defence that's worse than the one you had last season because the one we've got right now is worse our options mm. are worse We've got, um, you know, the, the, there is an issue with Mustafi in that public opinion regarding his suitability for this football club is at kind of an all-time low. And that's yeah. something that they have to be aware of as well, that there isn't the appetite anymore to to deal with the mistakes, um, you know, and to not do something about the defence particularly the centre of defence, would be negligent in the extreme. So I find it hard to imagine that between now and Thursday we don't do something, but you'd be hard-pressed to make a case that it appears to have been a priority during this summer.
1: No, I mean, the priority was clearly the wide player. I think that's been evident since the start of the window, and that's is surprising in some respects. I, you know, we did need a wide player. There's
0: oh, no yeah, doubt yeah, yeah, about
1: yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and you know, I, I think what Raul would turn around and say, or, or Unai Emery, I think, kind of has said in press conferences, "Well, we've signed a fantastic centre back this summer, but as we all know, it's somebody who cannot play for 12 months, so mm. it doesn't really help our chances this season." Yeah, it is concerning. And I know a lot of hopes are being pinned on Rob Holding. But if you asked me what was most impressive about Rob Holding in both his spells in the first team, really, I would probably think more of his ability on the ball, you know, bringing the ball out from the back, his passing ability. Mm. Those are the aspects of his game that are most striking to me. Not necessarily, you know, his ability to organise the line or man mark or, you know, marshal the defence. And so even in that, even in his comeback, there is still that room for doubt, that that element of concern. Mm. Well, Unai Emery was asked
0: about signing defenders, and he said, only if we can sign a player who really, really can improve our squad, then we're going to do it. If not, then not. So where's the, where's the bar for improvement? If he really improves us or really, really improves us? I mean, the obvious gag there is, given how bad our defense is, you shouldn't be short of options uh, when it comes to players who could come in and make us better. But it doesn't Sad to me. Yeah. I'm just slightly concerned about what he's saying there. Like, if I was, on the one hand, right, I think if I were Unai Emery and the club wasn't signing defenders, I would be really worried about that because... He doesn't strike me as a stupid man and he must look at his defense and know that it needs to be improved. So if you were trying to put some pressure on the club to make things happen, then wouldn't you be a bit more public about it rather than just saying only if we can sign a player, a player who really improves us, which sounds a bit like a line uh, that we heard many times from Arsene Wenger and one which is perhaps a little bit coached, if you like, into Unai Emery if you're asked about transfers, just say this, Uh, you know, we keep our cards close to our chest, maybe that's what's going on.
1: Maybe. I mean, you know, the club have sort of positively surprised me on several fronts this summer in terms of what they've been able to do. And so I don't want to write them off with a week to go in the window and, you know, declare their their failure to land a centre-half as a massive disappointment because you know, maybe they could turn up with one. Uh, I really, really hope they do. One wonders if, you know, what did you think about the the news about Manchester United paying £85 million for Harry Maguire? I mean, does that tell you something about how difficult it is to find a quality centre-half at the moment?
0: Yes, yeah, it does. It also probably tells you something a bit about Manchester United and their willingness to overpay four players, something we've seen mm. uh, in the past... Before. Uh, you know, there is a there is a, a Premier League tax and he's an English international and he's probably, as much because of his size as anything else, the standout English centre-half. Mm-hmm. Um, but they needed a, a defender and they've gone out and they've got it. I mean, it's crazy, £85 million for a player like Harry. He's the most expensive defender in the world, which is absurd. You know, he's, a, yeah. he's all right, but like... But, you know, I I, I think there have to be players out there who can make us better. There have to be. And if we're willing to do what we did with with Saliba, for example, and, you know, identify a young talent and bring him in, and if we're willing to, you know, to push the boat out for Nicola Pepe, who is a player we needed, or that kind of player, there's no question, and it's it's exciting to, to bring in that kind of a player. It feels to me like we should also have the same priority when it comes to our defense because that is and has been a problem for a number of years. So as much as we needed a wide player, we also need a center half. So can we push the boat out? Can we go the extra mile and sign a player of similar stature to to Nicola Pepe? No, a young guy, maybe not 18, 19 like Saliba, but somebody who's got some years of experience and who can, who can turn his potential into something a bit more. Quite who that is, I don't know. But then again, this is not our job and the club have got scouts out there and mm-hmm. should be looking out there. You know, if, if, we've, if we've kind of gone all in on Pepe at the expense of a good central defender, as much as I love what we did with Pepe, you've got to ask a question as to whether that was the right thing to do. Do you know what I mean? I'm not saying we shouldn't have signed Pepe, but
1: the the defense is a real worry. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because Pepe sort of became the as compared to Saha, was perceived as like the sensible signing because he as a player represented a better investment. But I suppose what's not sensible about either deal is if they prohibit you from buying a centre half, it mm. can help you this season. I mean, when you're talking about a young player with promise who has got experience already but could develop into a real star, you know, I'm no Bundesliga expert, but the two boys at Leipzig, Meccano and Canate, they immediately spring to mind and there is that sort of new francophonic... Core at the heart of this Arsenal squad. You know, you've got Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe, Gendouzi, Saliba to join. So to get another French international in, Mm. uh, in in the heart of the defence, feels plausible and feels like that would be a really good move. I don't think either would come cheap. But, you know, this isn't... We talk about Tierney for the next ten five years. I mean, we could be signing a centre-half for the next 10 years if we get this right. Mm. Uh, There's probably no other area of the pitch where apart from goalkeeper maybe where you buy a player who has that kind of longevity so if any area is is worthy of investment it's surely surely that and sooner or later it's going to have to happen you know if it doesn't happen now it's going to have to happen in January it's going to have to happen in the summer you know so that if that cost can sort of be spread out over those years then we've got to do it we've got to do it because if we do, then I think every Arsenal fan, if we can sign a good centre-half in this window, as much as we'd like a left-back, as much as we'd like a right-back, as much as we might want something else in other areas of the park, I think every Arsenal fan would reflect on that as a really positive window, if we can get mm. a centre-half who can help us this season. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think we can... I'd like a left-back, but I think we can live without a left-back. I don't think we can go into the new season with a central defensive lineup of... Chambers, Socrates and Mustafi with holding, you know, on his way back. Mavropanos has not played a minute of preseason football. He's still got that that injury, so you know, I think we we can't count on him as a first team player for for the foreseeable future. Um, and even then, there are questions over his his readiness. You know, we've spoken before, haven't we, about how he he might well need a loan. So I think a central defender would basically complete what has otherwise been a very promising window. Because Pepe, we've talked about, Ceballos, I think, is a smart signing. And I know we only got to see a little bit of him last night against... Uh, against Barcelona, and he took a kick. Apparently, he's going to be out for a few days uh, because of a, a really nasty challenge on him. Um, oh, really? Yeah, it was just it was yeah, it was nasty. It was studs into the ankle kind of stuff, um, uh, and uh, apparently, he's he's going to miss a few days training because of that. So, whether he's ready for Sunday remains to be seen. But you know, overall. I think a smart signing with with something to prove and he can bring something to the team and bring something to midfield, an area which, you know, feels competitive. It feels competitive with, with Torreira, with Genduzi, with Ceballos, with Joe Willock pushing Xhaka. Um, you know, uh, we've got some some backup, I suppose, in El Neni if, if he doesn't end up going somewhere. Um, Iwobi's in there too, you know. So that feels like a, a nice competitive mix. Uh, what I've seen of Martinelli looks very promising as well. He's only 18, of course, and you don't want to heap too much pressure on him. But, you know, you can see how the things that we've done in the transfer market this summer. Have been quite smart and really do add something to the team. So if we can get mm-hmm. a centre half, we we more or less complete that. But it's sort—I don't know what sort of analogy to draw here—but it, it feels incomplete at this moment in time, and the clock is ticking. So they've they've got to get it done this week.
1: They have to. Yeah, they have to. I mean, it's been a long summer and I think there's a lot of business still left to do. And I actually expect the last few days to be pretty frenetic. Um, so fingers crossed Arsenal can can get this over the line and complete a, a good summer's work. I mean, you mentioned very briefly that you think there could yet be a bit of a, a reprieve, a reconciliation with Laurent Koscielny. Do you think that's realistic particularly?
0: Not not really. Right. Not really, but I feel like if if we can't find the player in the market, we might try and mend fences simply because it, it gives us a, a player in there. You know, the circumstances are terrible because he wants to leave. Um, you wonder about his motivation. You wonder about... Um, the reception that he's going to get because I can see from social media there people are very divided on it. There are a lot of people who think, well, you know, Kishan, given us lots of service and we should be um, mindful of that and let him go, or we should, you know, bend to, to his desire to leave. Uh, other people are absolutely furious with him. They uh, feel that as captain, he has a responsibility to behave in a certain way. You know, you'll mm-hmm. find all very, uh, various opinion across the spectrum on him. But I think more more than most, it is, is going to be a decisive thing if kashelny plays again. You don't want, for example, kashelny to come onto the pitch and like for half the fans in the stadium to boo him, which is not beyond the realms of possibility given the way he's behaved and his behavior has not been acceptable at all. So it's just about whether or not we can find the right solution for the team. That's all. I mean, it's, it would be the last throw of the dice, but who knows? Stranger things have happened.
1: Stranger things have happened. That is true. And I suppose, you know, depending on what happens before the deadline, that will change the dynamic of those talks with, with Laurent Koscielny. But I find it very, very hard to see him coming back. And I, I don't think he'll be here after August 31st, at, you know, at the moment.
0: Me neither, but you never know. We'll, we'll wait and see. Um, OK, what else? Is there anything else you want to see the club do before the transfer window closes, before the, the start of the new season?
1: Um, I'm just trying to think, really. Uh, I mean, as I say, I think there are some players who I would probably try and move on. I don't think Xhaka would be one for me. Uh, I think that his experience... Uh, his knowledge of the English game, his general fitness and availability will probably be useful this season. Mm. And I'd like to think maybe by next season we might be in a place where we could move him on and move on from him and he'd still be under contract and acquire a decent fee. But I don't think we're quite in that place yet. I mean, I suppose the club has to address the the captaincy situation yeah. uh, formally before the first match. I mean, it feels like Granite Shaka's is going to wear the armband, doesn't it? In a, mm. in a lot of our games, yeah, it does. How do you feel about that?
0: Um, I can see why it would happen. I can see why he's the choice. Mm. But yeah, I just, I just worry that by making him captain, you you sort of become not reliant on him. Do you know what I mean? It, it's just sort of um. You sort of uh, you're wedded to him, yeah, a little bit too wedded to him. And I, you know, look, I, I I think Granite Xhaka does some stuff very well. I also think that there are flaws in his game which have been apparent for three years now. He's been with us. Is that fair? Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. those are still there. And I, you know, I would like us as a team to move away from the kind of player he is. You know, I think he's he's a very good distributor of the ball, but he gives it away a bit too often. He's careless at times, he's clumsy at times. We we can all think about that moment in the in the game against uh, Brighton towards the end of the season where we all knew he was going to give away a penalty in that position. We all knew yeah. it, we could see it coming and you know, without without improvement or without seeing a player who who wants to improve or make those things in his game better, you know, I, I just yeah, it bothers me a little. You know, it just bothers me a little. I, you know, I don't have any appetite to watch Granit Xhaka smash someone in our penalty box and give away uh, a, a, a spot kick, regardless of how good other parts of his game are and like he he does appear to have some natural leadership qualities he fronts up to the media you know he's experienced he's an international he is in the in the squad itself if you were to pick somebody as a kind of a captain character you know mm. he 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 is that i can see that but if that's kind of a factor in why you're getting picked then that's not a good thing either you know
1: yeah Well, I mean, I I think I said this on the show before, but I'm granted some optimism by the fact that Unai Emery wasn't particularly wedded to any of his captains last year. You know, he dropped Pedacek, he dropped Mesut Ozil. He was prepared to be quite ruthless about that when he needed to be. Uh, And I also think Shaka, he's quite a complex figure because I think, for me, I'm not sure he's quite... Uh, a sort of Mustafi level of troubling character on the field. You know, Mustafi, yeah. I feel like a lot of his mistakes almost feel like... It's very hard to phrase this, but they feel like he's kind of throwing in the towel a little bit. Yeah. I think Shaka is sort of more... Committed. Shaka is more Yes, he's committed but clumsy, ultimately. And I kind of am slightly more forgiving of that. I think it's problematic... And I agree with you, it's not something we should be tied to in the long term. But I actually think as a character, he has a lot of uh, good qualities that I can see, you know, why he's captained teams in the past. I think mm. he was captain for a spell at uh, Borussia and I think he's captained Switzerland a couple of times. So I can see why he's on that list. Um I mean, I suppose it's, he's not going to be the formal captain, is he? It's going to be a list of five, we think, uh, with yeah. possibly Rob Holding among them.
0: Really? Okay. Um, well, yeah, because he did say about having an English, an English player. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But I mean, we did have Lauren Koscielny as the official club captain, you know, and he had five captains, of course, um, which I guess was mm. to create a kind of a leadership group and and what have you. Um, maybe the fact that there are going to be five captains means that he. Doesn't see himself picking Shaka all the time, so he's got yeah. to have some options,
1: maybe? I think so. I think so. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it, at the start of the season, I think Shaka will play because, you know, Ganduzi's not necessarily 100% ready. Uh, Torreira's not necessarily 100% ready. We've just spoken about Ceballos getting that kick. So I think we are going to see Shaka in the team uh, at the kickoff. But I think as the season develops and the season evolves, it wouldn't surprise me if we move away from him a little bit. And I think a lot of fans want that, don't they? I think fans are more enthused about the prospect of, I don't know, Torreira, Ganduzi, Ceballos, Willock. Players who are a bit more agile, shall we say, and maybe a bit more dynamic than Xhaka. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I think that's it. It's about style of play. It's about the style right. of play. And like there are moments when Xhaka... Uh, is is absolutely fantastic. I mean, you look at the goal we scored against um Barcelona last night. It was his pass out to Ozil that allowed Ozil the space to create for for Aubameyang. But then it's not it's not particularly um difficult stuff to spread the ball wide. If you're a reasonable passer of the ball, putting the ball into space uh for an uh for a teammate, it's bread and butter stuff really, you know. Uh, mm. and, and there are times when Xhaka's ponderousness, um, and it, I, I even noticed this a little bit with Ozil as well, is that Ozil wants time on the ball, and more and more these days, the quicker you move the ball, the more space you're going to find because of the way teams are organized and organized defensively and simply because players are so quick and fast these days that you have to you have to move the ball quickly so they're running backwards, not stick your foot on it and look around and see who's there, allowing them time to get back into position.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this Arsenal team has needed to speed up. I think signing Pepe is part of that. But the the main way in which we can do it and we should do it, I think, is in the centre of the park. And it's going to be fascinating. I mean, Joe Willock, I agree with you, has been the standout young player from the from the pre-season period I think Eddie Nketi has also done pretty well got himself a couple of goals in America mm. but I, I wonder just how much are we going to see if we look in the Premier League, you know, will it be like Gunduzi last year that he's dropped straight into the first team and, and in there from the very start, what mm. do you reckon? I don't know, we'll have to
0: wait and see uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he started on Sunday wouldn't surprise me at all. But you know, when we do get players back, Ginduzi was away on international duty, Terraro is only just back as well. So they're you know, Pepe as well. These are players who've got some preseason training to do, you know, to get the, the fitness uh, into their legs before they start playing on a on a regular basis. But, you know, you would hope that whatever the team being picked, it's being picked on merit and not because somebody has the armband, you know? So Of course. Yeah. All right. Look, I think we should take a break here because we've been going a little while. We're going to come back and answer your questions and more in part two right after this. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. Welcome back to the 300th Arscast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer questions that you send to us on Twitter at Gunnar Blog and at Arsblog Blog on the Arse Blog Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the Arse Blog. And also on the Arse Blog Discord server, which you can get access to if you are an Arse Blog member on Patreon. If you're not, sign up right now uh, at patreon.com forward slash Blog from Discord. The first question comes from Black Ice. And he wants to know, James. The commentators love the passion, but do the players really pay any attention to Unai Emery's often unsafe gesticulations on the touchline? Hmm. Uh,
1: I think, do they pay any attention? Surely not, really. I mean, unless you're like the fullback who's playing on that side, right in front of the coach, surely those messages aren't really being conveyed. I mean,. You know, in in the tumult of a stadium, with the noise being what it is, Mm. it it seems unlikely that you'd be able to give detailed tactical instructions from the side of a pitch with sixty thousand fans around you. Don't you think? Yeah, isn't that the point that Louis Van Gaal always made? He's going, they
0: can't hear me, and the preparation is, you know, is done on the training ground and in the in the build-up to a game. Your tactical preparation. I mean, obviously there are things that a manager can do, and he wants to do. Um, to try and uh, adjust things during a game, so you can give a message, you know, if the if it's the left back or whatever, you know, to give a message and 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 uh, and what have you. But you know, realistically, I don't know that it has a huge effect. But Emery is one of those guys who wants to basically micromanage a game, isn't he? the way he operates on the touchline, he really just wants to get into the nuts and bolts of it. And he's always talk, shouting at people and l- looking uh, to get them back and and what have you. So mm-hmm. um, I wonder, is it
1: as much about him feeling like he's in control of things uh, as anything else? Yeah, of course. We all do it as fans, don't we? We stand yeah. there watching the game saying, you know, like, man on or something. Drop! I can't what are you ask. doing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're giving instructions. I think it's just... It's passion. It's uh, adrenaline. It's all those things, and I think you're right. It's about Emery sort of letting out that and having like a, a sense of control mm. rather than necessarily having it. I mean, we've seen managers, you know, sending notes onto the pitch and things like that in the past when they yeah. do want to get messages across. There are ways round it, and I guess if you've done, if you've done, you know, we saw this with set pieces last season that it seemed like sometimes they were signalling from the bench to indicate let's do a certain set piece, usually a short corner. Usually it didn't work. Mm. But uh, there are things you can put in place like that. But I think for the most part, the pointing and shouting, much like Matteo Flamini's pointing and shouting, is pointless.
0: Mm. Pointy-shouty blokes. Um, Yeah, I guess. Look, sometimes it works. You know, you got you got someone like, uh, you know, a Tony Adams at the back who organizes and who does scream and shout at his uh, at his own players. You know, it can have an effect, but that's slightly different because you're on the pitch um, and you're able to talk directly to your teammates and, and give them a rocket up the arse if that's what they need. But from a manager's point of view, I think it's more about him feeling in control than it is beneficial for the players.
1: Yeah, and I wonder if it has a slight of impact on the supporters, maybe. Yeah. I, I do think that if you're in the crowd and you see the manager really going for it and getting into it, I mean, look at the sort of uh, chemistry that's been created between Jurgen Klopp and the fans at Anfield. You know, he, he's almost the conductor there. He's orchestrating the whole thing. And I think as a supporter, I like seeing a bit of passion from the manager on the sideline. And I think it probably reflects and makes the fans go that little bit louder or what have you. And yeah. that could all have a kind of, you know slightly intangible impact on things mm. um, Gunnar Dock on the Discord asks how would you like the idea of us taking Gary Cahill for a year <laughs> or two in the current situation he takes many of the boxes you would have liked Koscielny to do and a few people asked about this Gary Cahill of course is currently on a, a free transfer having left Chelsea uh, I think he's being linked quite strongly with Crystal Palace Uh Seventy week or one or two years. So what do you think? 33 years old, Gary Kay? No. No. It's a no from you?
0: Yeah, it's a no from me. I think, what did he play last season, you know, for for Chelsea? How often did he play? Um, let me just see if I can now. get his stats. Uh, he, he
1: wasn't particularly regular. No. Um,
0: I think let's he, have a look. Yeah.
1: He played two substitute appearances in the Premier League is that right?
0: I'm just looking it won't load come on load you motherfucker
1: according to this he played 21 minutes of a game uh, a nil-nil with West Ham and then on the final day he played a minute
0: against what? so you want us to sign a player with 22 minutes of Premier League football in the last season what on earth makes people think that would be a good deal for us like, I'm I'm not a fan of Mustafi, as I'm sure everyone is aware. I think he's a player we need to move on from, but I think I'd keep Mustafi over Cahill simply because he's, you know, he's a 27-year-old guy who can at least run. I don't think Cahill's got the legs anymore. I just don't see Gary Cahill as being capable um, to do what we would
1: want him to do, it feels like a signing for a signing's sake. I have to say, um, yeah, it's like, I'd almost yeah. rather give that game time to a young player. You know,
0: yeah, I don't know, don't there. even know if we've got a young player who's ready to, to make the step up. Zach Medley uh, played some minutes on the tour. Whether they're in any way convinced by his readiness just yet, he is only eighteen as well. So, um, but yeah, like you, I would rather give minutes to a young player than
1: than sign someone like Gary Cahill. So. Well- What about this? I mean, on the same topic, Linus Widner on Facebook asked, could we have any chance of landing Dunk, Duffy or Tarkovsky or are they not suited to the Arsenal high line? Do you think there are players in the Premier League that Arsenal could be looking at in the centre-half position? Possibly, but they'll be expensive, won't they? I think that's the big issue, isn't it?
0: They'll be really expensive. Um, So, I mean, there there have to be players who can come in and who can do something um, in this team. There have to be.
1: But... Yeah, I mean, I was really struck. There might be some sour grapes involved, but I was reading some sort of uh, Leicester fan posts about the Harry Maguire deal to Manchester United. And a lot of Leicester fans were saying, well, it's all right with us because Johnny Evans is a better defender and obviously obviously Johnny Evans as a player who's linked with Arsenal for a long time and you know it wasn't a particularly exciting or or glamorous deal in prospect but from the sounds of things Mm. he's been very good there and I I just wonder if maybe there are players of that calibre I mean the bar isn't especially high at Mm, Arsenal in terms of coming in and improving things
0: yeah Um, I think I had a question about that actually I Lost it here, but it was about like, did we make a, did we make a bit of a mistake by not signing Johnny Evans for three million pounds? And at the time, you're mm-hmm. thinking, well, you know, that can't really be a mistake. Uh, but you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, and we are where we are in terms of the centre of our defence. Um, okay, here's a question from Stuart Blumen on Facebook, who says, which specific preseason moment got you most excited? <sighs>
1: Um does it have to be with does he mean within a game? Um I guess it can be anything. Anything. I think it would have to be when David Ornstein tweeted that Arsenal <laughs> had agreed a fee with Leo Fernandez Pepe. It was just one of those things where you found yourself I think we said this but you know double checking it wasn't a fake account mm. because it was such an extraordinary piece of news. Um And, yeah, I I suddenly thought, wow, maybe things are changing. Maybe we're going somewhere. Mm. Everything that followed that signing, you know, I I loved the video of him being shown around the training ground like you. I loved him seeing his Arsenal shirt printed with 19 on the back. I loved seeing Lacazette acting as a a bit of a translator for him, helping him settle. I loved seeing Edu and Raul Sanyei, you know, greeting him and seeing, okay, there is a bit of an executive team there. You know, Edu is already prominent in that role um, so yeah I think everything around the Pepe deal for me within a game itself I, I would just go back to Aubameyang again I mean I, I, th- I think I'd look at his goal against Barcelona I know he was brilliant uh, against Bayern he's yeah. been good all through the preseason, but the way he took that goal it was so confident and so emphatic I'm really, really excited about what we might see from him this season.
0: Yeah, there's a few moments that stand out for me. One is Aubameyang tearing down the right-hand side um, against Bayern Munich. Maybe it was down mm-hmm. right down the middle, in fact. An amazing run, and he just looks so sharp and so determined um, in that game. And it was maybe our first game of preseason, season certainly the first game of the US Tour. Um, Eddie Nketiah knocking the giant Bayern Munich... Central defender uh, away as he was shielding the ball. You know, the guy is probably a good six inches taller than Enkedia and um, wider and more physically imposing, but, but Eddie just knocked him out of the way. And that was good. And obviously, we've spoken about Joe Willock, the development of, of him over the course of preseason. Um, the Real Madrid game as well in Washington, D.C., where we were sort of under the caution and then he brought on Reese Nelson. Saka, Tyrese John-Jules, and maybe Enkedia. And those four guys change the dynamic of the game. Those things are really exciting because we, we can sort of pin hopes on young players. And, you know, I think we all know not all of them are going to make it and some of them won't be as good as we want them to be or that we hope they might be. But in this sort of... In this... Uh, time before the season begins we can kind of project onto them qualities that we we see could be useful throughout the course Mm -hmm. of the season so things like that got me excited um obviously the Pepe signing as well is hugely exciting um yeah and that's where we are that's where we are
1: and are you feeling excited yes generally I am genuinely
0: I'm feeling excited because we do have this great array of attacking potential within the team and and I can see how it might transform or at least change significantly the way we play and the way we might approach certain games that you know we could be a bit more front-footed particularly when we go away from home where we've been mm. conservative and I hope that you know the the approach this season is a bit more like well let's go and fucking play these guys rather than mm-hmm. let's go and see if we can hold these guys off and hit them on the break the, there is a slight worry yeah, in my mind absolutely. that because of the kind of player pepe is and how effective he was for leal on those transitions when the ball breaks down in our half uh, or in you know your own half, and then you you unleash the speed and the dynamism of Pepe and and Yang and you've got Lacazette um, there as well. That there might be a temptation to slightly sit off and try and lure teams into a trap that you can then uh, you know uh, hit them with on the break or whatever. But I feel also like in order to do that properly, you have to be you have to be good defensively. So it would be kind of mad to do that with the players we have right now in defense but you know we we could play uh a four three three with the players that we've got and with the midfield options that we've got and that's that's an exciting thing um i'm hopeful we'll move away m- pretty much altogether from the back three mm-hmm. so i it am excited yeah i i i am excited and and you know Pepe is a signing that puts bums on seats and we want to see how he interacts with with Lacazette and Aubameyang and maybe with Ozil in behind feeding him. You know, there there are things to look forward to. At the same time, though, you know, it is a bit like walking across a rickety bridge and wondering, is one of these planks going to snap? And I'm going to fall into the river far below. That's the defensive side of things. But yeah, you know, I, I am... Excited and enthused. How can you not be about those things? It doesn't mean you're blind to the problems that we have. Um, I'm just hopeful that between now and Thursday, we can we can go some way to sorting those out. Uh, because if we do, you know, if you do bring in a good central defender, it it makes everything feel an awful lot better.
1: Mm, I'm inclined to agree. I, I I do feel optimistic. I think we're going to be fun to watch. Um, I just worry that we might be quite fun to watch for a neutral as well as an Arsenal fan. <laughs> Uh, let's have this question uh, gauge your optimism on this subject this is from Jude Sebastian on Facebook and Jude says final verdict on Ozil is he going to be a plus or minus for the club this coming season and how many starts in the league do you think he'll have?
0: Yeah, uh, good question. I had a similar question uh, from Twitter from Peter Lingland, who's at Peter Lingland, who says, besides a couple of promising performances in preseason, what, if anything, points in favour of Ozil having an assist-king peak Real Madrid year season? Which is a good question. I think the the thing that strikes me most is um, the system and the formation. Mm -hmm. That if we are playing a back four... There's an easier way to get him into the team in a in a position which really suits him, whereas for a lot of last season, we didn't do that. Um, and I think that was reflected in in his performances. I hope as well that there is from Ozil's point of view as well a determination to to remind people of what a good player he can be. You know, it felt like everything yeah. got a bit on top of him. Last season and there was a lot to deal with after, you know, the World Cup and some personal issues. We know there were problems with Unai Emery. He appears to have, have have sorted those out to a certain extent and mended fences and you know I hope he's really up for it. I hope he's really up for it. And, you know, um part of what could make him effective this season is his desire and his motivation to produce. Um I guess that we are in a kind of hopeful situation though, aren't we? We are, we are looking for him to, to just pull the finger out a bit and do more than he did last season. So I think those things, you know, maybe, maybe his, his pride is wounded, but maybe if he, if he sees a front three of players who are good to play with and good for him to play with and who can play to, to some of his strengths, like you know if you can if you can pick a defense apart with a pass but you don't have anyone making the runs for you to do that that's a different thing but when you've got Pepe, Aubameyang, Lacazette that must be fun if you're a playmaker looking at those three and thinking what you could provide for them
1: well yeah certainly and I think if we you know if we do line up with this, something like a 4-2-3-1 with Ozorg as the number 10 and and those players in front of him You know, there can't really be any excuses. I mean, that's an absolutely ideal setup for him. I have a slight worry that there's this constant expectation with Ozil that he will somehow return to his best. But in two months' time, he'll be 31. Mm. And I just wonder if he'll ever be the player that he was at, you know, 24, 25, 26. I think it's probably quite unlikely. It would be unlikely for almost any athlete. Um, But we would be better if he can get close to that level, uh, even close to it, you know, we would be a much improved team. So I hope that his attitude is right. I hope that he and the manager, the coach rather, uh, have a positive relationship this season and that Mm. it doesn't become a distraction. That was my concern really about it last year. A lot of the time it felt like it was uh, a distraction and something that sort of weighed a bit heavy on the club financially and in terms of sort of how it dominated the the news agenda. Uh, but it feels like a lot of that seems to have blown over and things feel positive. So, yeah, I'm really hoping we see a, a good season of Mesut Ozil. I'm, I'm hoping we see a good two seasons of Mesut yeah. because realistically it seems that he's going to be here.
0: I guess some of the early games will be informative, won't they? Because yeah. we play away from home at Newcastle. Um, I was looking this up the other day. In, in all the time he's been with us, he's, he's only played in that game once at St. James's Park, and that was last season, and he scored. So hopefully he can do something similar, but we've got an away game at Anfield, and we've got a home game against Tottenham at the end of August. Two really, really big fixtures, and how or if he's used in those games, by Unai Emery will tell us a lot, I think.
1: Yes, that's very good. I mean, would you hazard a guess? The question asks how many league starts he might get this season. How many did he start last season? I'm not sure. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. I mean, you could just... uh, What is it? 19 games in a (laughs) way. About 19, maybe. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, he does feel like a player who's more more suited to our home games than away games. It was
1: 20 starts in the league last season for Mesut Ozil.
0: I would say... Jeez, I don't know. It's so so hard. Um, Something similar?
1: Uh, Yeah, I was going to say I think it'll be about the same. Mm. I think it'll be about the same. Uh, Because, you know, you've got to bear in mind there's Danny Ceballos available to us now and... You know, depending on what you believe, he's been given assurances that he'll get some playing time, Uh, and you know that will represent competition. And I just think away from home and in certain big matches, Emery's shown he doesn't necessarily favour starting Usel. So yeah, I think it'll. I think it'll be about half the games.
0: Look, and I think one thing we should point out as well is that a lot of it is dependent on how well he plays. Like if he slots into you know the team and is is you know providing the bullets for our forwards then it becomes much more difficult to leave him out for some of those away games even if he doesn't necessarily suit them on paper mm. you know how a player's form uh, is can can really indicate or uh, inform the manager's selection decisions so like he, you know if you're going to a tough away game where ozil wouldn't normally play but in the last you know 3 months he's created 10 or 12 goals then you have to think about that again don't you
1: of course of course, and it might be that our attack, you know, ends up very reliant on him and mm. you know, he becomes an integral part of the side. It's it's hard to predict because it feels like quite a different Arsenal team in some ways. If we're setting up with a back four, if we've got Pepe on the flank, if we've got some new faces in the middle of the park, it could feel quite different. It's that it's a curious thing because in some ways a lot of the dead would, not Deadwood a lot of the players who we thought might go at the end of last season haven't really left Um, so we're left with a lot of the same faces but despite that I think we've managed to create a slightly different feel to the team so Mm. yeah I'm really intrigued to see how that plays out and the first few fixtures will be really instructive because we've got different types of tests early on
0: yeah yeah okay Here's one from Harper Pestinger at Pestinger Harper. Do you think Martinez will fully take over Czech's role and play not only in the early Europa League games, but also the later stages of that tournament and the Cups? Or is he not good enough to take up that
1: position? I think he'll play the early stages and perhaps his performance in those early stages will inform whether he stays in the team in that competition. Mm. Um, personally, I'd, I'd use this opportunity to sort of slightly re-establish a hierarchy and make it clear that Leno is the first choice and will play like, you know, Europa League final or similar and, and have Martinez as a deputy who plays plenty of football around that. But yeah. it seems slightly unlikely that Arsenal would adopt that policy having having not done so previously.
0: Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's the right way to go. I think, you know, when you get to... When you get the chance to win a European trophy, I think you play your number one goalkeeper. And mm-hmm. we talked about this last season. We could all understand why, to an extent, Emery chose Petr Cech. But I think you choose your best goalkeeper for a cup final. You know, Arsene Wenger did it by playing David Ospina in the FA Cup final against Chelsea, when at the time Cech was, you know, a better option than Ospina. Um, I think you kind of have to put sentiment to one side and do what the right thing for the team is and if we get to a european final and Bernd leno is by far our our number one goalkeeper Bernd leno plays in that game regardless of what martinez has done in the meantime because the club winning the trophy is more important than rewarding the player Mm. seems a bit harsh but you know and I don't think Czech, for example, was to blame for us losing the Europa League final. Not by any means, but uh, I, I think I think we do have to, um, you know, in every other position, in every other position, you just pick your best player. Whereas goalkeeper has become a bit muddied over the years.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think you know, there was a sort of greater sense of equality between Czech and Leno. I mean, Martinez definitely comes into this as an understudy, um, but it's still a promotion for him. So I hope they can sort of make him comfortable in that role, mm. uh, you know, with and and keep him, because by all accounts, he was great at Reading, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does in those cup games. But when it gets to the crunch, I want Leno in there, because I've been impressed with Leno, actually, in pre-season. Yeah, me too. He's another one who who looks really solid and looks sharp and he's growing into that role. He's got that number one shirt now and I'm expecting big things from him this year. Mm. Okay. Uh, Here's a question from Joe Hurst. We touched on captaincy in part one. Uh, This is on Facebook and Joe says, why is Socrates always overlooked and never mentioned by anyone for the captaincy? Seems like a good option to me. Experienced, will more than likely play most games and has the right attitude.
0: I guess, yeah. I mean, it does make some sense. Um, it's a good
1: question, I think,
0: yeah. Unless there's something about him or his character that we don't know, but I, I'm pretty sure Socrates is uh, fairly experienced. Is he, has he captained Greece? Has he? I'm not sure. Sokrat- Quite possibly. Captain, uh, let's see. Maybe he has. Um, yeah, he's had a bit of a clash with the Greece manager, according to Google here. Um, Socrates who captains his country Um, so yeah why not? I don't know why there hasn't been any discussion of it I mean who do you think the five captains are going to be?
1: Hmm I think they're going to be Shaka. Has he already said Ozil? Yes I think he has
0: Ozil and Monreal has he? Did he say
1: Monreal? I'm not sure Uh, let me have a look at the squad. I've done this before. I, I think if for an English player if there is if there is gonna be an English player, I assume that'll be Rob Holding. Um Burzl They're all shouting. Yeah he's, he
0: says uh we're working now with the captains. They are Shaka, Ozil, and Nacho Monreal. I want to add two more, and then I'm going to decide the number one, two, three, four, and five in the next five weeks. So he's going to pick five captains, then rank them in order of their <laughs> their captaincy juice, how much captain juice they get each. Um,
1: yeah. So you've got two more to pick from. Well, I guess I would have Socrates actually. Um, and well, as are... our
0: as our sort of best. Central defender at this moment yeah. in
1: time, it would make a lot of sense. And then I think I would go for, I think I would go for Lacazette. Yeah, as my fifth choice. Yeah, I think so. What about you? Well,
0: if he says he wants an English player,
1: yeah, yeah, then that can only it kind be has to be Holding or yeah. Joe Willock for captain, obviously. Joe Willock, yeah, for captain.
0: Um, I, you know, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily rule out Hector as well as one of those players, but maybe coming back from injury, he doesn't need that distraction. But then Holding is coming back from injury as well. So Mm. um, maybe if he does give it to Holding, it'll tell us a bit about how he views Holding and his potential and and somebody who could become a first-team regular. But yeah, Socrates, I guess. Um, Yeah, it's not ideal though, is it?
1: No, I mean, Socrates. the more I think about it, I'm like, why is he not talked up as a potential
0: option? There was a question here from Mark at Gunnar underscore Gawa, who says, is the five captains approach an acknowledgement that we don't have a clear leader in the squad who can command the position as their own?
1: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. I mean, we haven't got a player who is, you know, clearly first choice, feels like they're here for the long term. Uh, has the respect of everybody in the squad and is a sort of leader character. There's no, there's no standout candidate for that, mm. um, and that's been a bit of a problem at Arsenal down the years. So we've often been in a situation where we've just sort of given the captaincy to the best player, which hasn't always worked out. Um, so yes, I think that's uh, a bit of a, a bit of a problem, but. I'm hoping that this kind of shared responsibility will pan out. And there is at least uh, going to be some sort of hierarchy in place. Emery has said he will name a number one captain, a number two captain, a number three, and so on. Yeah. Can I just answer my door, Andrew? Of course. It gives me a chance
0: to play on this auspicious occasion the door answering music.
1: Well, take it away. Hello. It was a false alarm. Someone had already gone. I got to the door and someone else was already there. Wow. Someone on the, at least on your side of the door? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had crept to the door and answered it, unbeknownst to me. But okay. at least we got to play
0: the music. Eh? We got to play the music. Was it anyone interesting on the other side of the door? Or was, is that irrelevant?
1: Um, Amazon Prime, actually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is that yeah. the brother of Optimus? Yes,
1: <laughs> they don't, they've done very well for, for themselves. Those brothers, the, the, the Prime um,
0: brothers, have really uh, yeah. They own yeah, a Optimus lot of numbers. Optimus
1: was killing it in the eighties and nineties, but Amazon, you know, it's a tortoise and hare situation. There. Yeah, well, I believe they own a lot of numbers as well. Mm. But Optimus pays his taxes, apparently. So, well, that's good. Yeah, he's got that going for him. <laughs> uh, right. I mean, I'm sagging them off, but I am. A customer, clearly so. Clearly. I can't be too You're critical. enabling there. Um... Yeah, I know, I know. Um, right. Shall I have a look for another question? Yeah, why not? Here's just a quick uh, one. Oh, no, on. do I have one? Um, I've got one, if not. Yeah, go, go for it. So this is from Gunner Pride. Uh, and Gunner Pride says on Twitter... Why do you think the club have not made an official announcement on the promotion of the Arsenal youngsters to the first team or even their shirt number changes?
0: No idea
1: mm. genuinely, I don't know. I wonder if it's I wonder if it's just because they they think maybe they're not all going to be part of the squad next season and they're waiting to s- to see how it all shakes out in terms of incoming transfers and loans out loans. before they say, "Yeah, this is the these are the guys who are going to be with us." That's
0: true because you know we talk about having Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe, but then who are the other who are the players who have re- really stood out? The young players who've stood out this year: Saka, uh, or in preseason rather, Saka and Keddie, John Jules, Reese Nelson. You know, uh, Joe Willock. Obviously, there there isn't room for all of them in the first-team squad. So one or two will probably play somewhere else next season, go on loan or something like that. I mean, I I do think there's football there for them, particularly with the Europa League, um, which I really, really, really hope we use for for the young players. Hmm. But yeah, it could well be a case that they're waiting until the transfer window closes before they finalised the squad and, and everything else?
1: Yeah, I feel like in an ideal world, we would have sold more players. In an ideal world, we would have sold Mustafi, Elneny, Mkhitaryan, you know, maybe one more. And that mm. might have created some opportunities, some space in the squad for these young players. As it stands, we've got a fairly decent-sized squad. And, you know, part of the responsibility of Per Edu, Freddie Jumberg... I think is to sort of make decisions on which of these young players are going to be per- part of the first team this year and which would be better served by going out and being on loan. Mm. There's no point in us keeping someone around so they can play a bunch of under 23 games which don't really test them and don't really develop them. Yeah. You know, they need to, to get out and play football if their path to the first team is going to be blocked. And definitely some will go. Out. My hunch is still very strongly that Emil Smith-Rowe will go out on loan. Mm. Um, Gosh, we
0: didn't even mention him, yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I think that tells you that that's almost certainly what he's going to end up. I saw a story today, Darren Arsenal on Twitter saying that Swansea um, are very keen to take Eddie and Ketia, which doesn't surprise me because I know that Swansea have got a few potential loans of young players lined up for, you know, the end of the transfer window. It's quite common for championship clubs. They sort of will speak to clubs and say, look, if you decide to let so-and-so go, you know, we're there to take him because yeah. that's going to happen with a number of young players what, in the Premier League. What would you do with Eddie and Katia? It's tricky, you know, because you've got Lacazette and you've got Aubameyang, you've got Nicholas Pepe as well, who I think can at a push play through the middle. But he's one I would keep. I think I originally said send him out on loan in the last season. I was like, he needs the football, but. I can see us playing a first team quite regularly that incorporates all of Lacazette, Aubameyang, and Pepe. And if you do that, mm. you, you need a forward on the bench, and yeah. that would be Eddie Nketiah.
0: Yeah. And what happens if one of them gets an injury or a suspension? Yeah. You know, I, I would certainly keep Nketiah until January at least, and I would I, play him. I would play him as the centre forward in every single Europa League group game.
1: Absolutely, because, you know, he can play out wide, but you'd have to say, when you look at our strikers, Aubameyang's better suited to it than him. Pepe mm. certainly is better suited to it than him. And I think he's earned that opportunity. He scored goals in pre-season. I think he's added quite a lot to his game. You know, he always, we always thought of him as a very good finisher, but I think in pre-season, we've seen more of an all-round strikers game from Enquetia. Um And I think he needs that chance. He needs it in the, the League Cup and the Europa League. Those matches should be his. So, yeah, he, he's one I would definitely, definitely keep around. I think the question yeah. marks are more over, say, a Reese Nelson potentially mm. or, um, or or a Saka. You know, it, I find it hard to see both those players getting the game time they deserve.
0: Yeah. I think the thing about Saka is he's 17. He's, only, he's still only 17. So a season at under-23 level, even though he looks ready, in my opinion, he looks ready for so, some first-team football, not necessarily uh, a, a full season. I have a question here for for you from John Craven, um, who used to have a very popular news round show. Uh, thanks for listening, John. <laughs> he is at underscore JRC1992. He says, have you been disappointed with Reese Nelson in preseason? I know it's fairly uncompetitive, but all our other youngsters have really shone while I feel he's looked quite toothless. Um were you expecting a bit more from Reese Nelson during preseason?
1: Um, maybe a little. But I have to say, I think he's been a little bit hard done by with some of the comments I've read about him. I mean, every time I watch him, I do think, clearly this guy is very technically accomplished. Uh, and I think there is an intelligence in his game as well. I feel like he's not particularly wasteful. He ends up looking a little bit uh, like a sort of continuity guy rather than something special. But I think it's in there. I really do think it's in there. And I think, I also think there's a bit of a misconception about what he is. I think he's often described as a winger. Uh, When I have seen Reece Nelson play with the under 23s at his best, that's not really been what he's offered. He's been more of a a second striker or a, a number ten, you know, someone who's scoring goals, creating chances in central areas. So or, or, or maybe cutting inside off the left flank. Mm. I, I I don't think he's set the world alight, but I still think there's huge talent there. And I think we would be I think we'd be remiss to just, you know, write write that off. I'm not suggesting anyone's doing that. But if you look at what he did at Hoffenheim when the chances came to him in the final third the opportunities to make an impact to show a bit of killer instinct and a bit of composure he generally did do that and actually if it was a Premier League match and a chance fell to Reece Nelson I would feel pretty confident in his technique in his state of mind in him being able to do that and I think he will have if he stays at Arsenal and gets game time I think he will have big moments this season what what have you made of him? I feel
0: quite similar to you in that I can see the talent and I can see the potential, but there's just something not quite there Mm. yet. Yet is the key word here. I can sort of see why he wasn't starting as often at Hoffenheim as people would have hoped. There's just something in his decision-making which isn't quite, quite where it needs to be at this moment in time because he's got fantastic ability on the ball. He can run with it, he can beat people, he's strong, he can finish, as we've seen. But just when it comes to making the decision at the right time, I feel like there's some work that still needs to be done there. And that's why i I I just feel I don't know. Again, maybe Europa League football games will help. Play him. You know, the same with Enkedia, play him. Let him play for Arsenal for six months, even if it is only ten games or twelve games. Um, between the Europa League and the League cup and and whatever else, but surely that gives us a better way of assessing his ability than sending him out on loan and watching from afar. like I feel like with enkedia let 's give him a chance to do what he mm-hmm. can do, and if it 's not working out by January, you 've got the loan market, and you can send him out and you can you can hope he develops somewhere else. But, yeah, I, I think other young players have stood out more for me during pre-season, which isn't to say I think Nelson has been bad. I just think some of the others have been better. And, you know, based on that, uh, I think we need to give him a run in the team, in the games where we can afford to do that. And he could still be a, a useful substitute in the Premier League as well. So,
1: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I, I still have really high hopes for Reese Nelson, uh, despite... Uh, Slightly inauspicious preseason. Mm. Um, how are we doing on questions? You got any more left? Not really,
0: yeah. but given given who we're playing on Sunday, I just have to mention this one. It comes from, you know what it's going to be about, of course. Yeah, Liam course. Arnold, who's at Liam three four three. We play the Magpies this weekend. How worried should we should we be? And what are your predictions? It's Magpies.
1: It's the Magpie showdown, the Magpie Derby. Um, How worried should we be? I mean, I think we've got to go to Steve Bruce's Newcastle and think we can win that game. (laughs) Yeah. Surely. Yeah. They've not had a good preseason, really. Uh, They've lost Salomon Rondon, they've lost uh, Iose Perez. You know, I think they've got one striker on the books last time I checked, and it's Dwight Gale. Oh, maybe they've added the Brazilian, actually, since then. Mm. Uh, Whose name I forget? Joe Elson, something like that. But um, anyway, Newcastle fans aren't particularly enthused with what's going on there. Uh, Steve Bruce is a pretty uninspiring appointment and the fans aren't particularly happy, so it's not as if we'll face a a St James's Park where they'll necessarily be riled up for the occasion. Mm. I think we've got to go there and... Win and I think I'm going to say we will. I'm going to say Arsenal will win that match two one. Two one. No clean sheet. Of course, no clean sheet. I'm <laughs> realistic. I'm not crazy. Um, and yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's this week's magpie fact that the Magpies will lose two one. Okay, guess.
0: that's a good fact. Hopefully, it is a fact. If let's just <laughs> let's just um, do this very quickly. I think even if we do sign somebody this week, it might be a case that the Newcastle game comes too soon. So if we bring in a central defender from wherever we bring them in, it might well be a case that the, the, the game comes a bit too quickly for them. So based mm. on that, what sort of a, you know, and based on who we have available, Here we go. What, what sort of a starting 11 do you think we'll see? So, I mean, I think, I think the back four will be Maitland-Niles, Chambers, Socratis and Monreal. We've got Jack. James
1: Maitland-Niles, Monreal. Yeah, I mean, it's not inspiring, is it? Is it
0: no, midfield? it's not. Um, midfield, I think we'll see Jacques Gendouzi and Joe Willock. Do you now? Yeah. Because I don't think we're going to see Pepe. Oh, no. For the Newcastle game, because he's only just come back from his holidays and he does need to get fitness in. And then I think we're going to see Ozil, Aubameyang, Lacazette. I think, uh, assuming Lacazette makes it, because he's got an
1: injury. What kind of, uh, with Ozil from the right and Aubameyang from the left?
0: Maybe we could play a 4-3-1-2.
1: Or 4-diamond. Two? I think that we'll see. Do you think there'll be anything different in that team? I think Mkhitaryan might play. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just know that Unai Emery likes him, doesn't he? And I think if he's going to go with the four-two-three-one, then he might go with Mbappé mm. and Mkhitaryan in the wider areas, say, and then um, and then as a can play centrally as a ten behind Lacazette. I, I think Shaka will play, and I think Joe Willock might start alongside him, ahead of Gunduzi. I just right. think in terms of being fresh and ready, he's played so much for pre-season. I, I think he might get the knot.
0: Okay. Well, we don't have too long to wait. The Premier League season kicks off on Sunday against Newcastle. We we will be doing all the stuff we normally do uh, for Premier League and all the other games. There'll be a live blog. There'll be match report. There'll be player ratings, which reminds me, I've got to get the new players added to the player rating system. Uh, make a note of that. Uh, email Alex to do that. Sorry, I'm doing it live on air. Um <sighs> And uh, this week we will have, of course, some, uh, some podcasts for you. Looking ahead to the new season, we're going to do a season preview one after the window closes. And as is tradition, I will be chatting to Ken Early of Second Captains for a more broad football chat about the, uh, the start of the new season and what we can expect from that. So you've got all that to come this week. And James, you and I will be here next Monday to talk about the first Premier League game of the season in Arscast Extra 301 exciting.
1: Wow, 301 not out. Look forward to it, let's hope the uh, the rest of the transfer window brings us well, well, I was going to say good news but brings us a centre half, really. Yes
0: a centre half, good news we don't need but a centre half uh, would be good news but we need the centre half first and foremost so look, thank you as ever for listening thank you for supporting us in all the ways that you do, we really do appreciate it, we will catch you on the next one, until then. Bye bye